I'd like to get to my first guest today, Diane Morales. She is the executive director and chief executive officer of Phipps Neighborhoods, which has led for much of the last decade. And recently, she announced she was running as a registered Democrat to succeed Bill de Blasio uh, to become the mayor of New York City. We've had her on one of the shows before to talk about Phipps, but since then she has announced. And so I wanted to bring her back today to talk about why she wants the city's top job. Welcome back to WBAI, Diane. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. So uh, to be here. when you were on uh, before, we did talk about FIPS, but since then you've made this big announcement. Why did you decide to run? You've said it's you know time for a new vision. Uh, then, you know, I'm curious why, you know, what's the vision you feel that de Blasio has had and what prompted you to run? <laughs> sure. That's a good question. Um, well, you know, I, I think, so I have spent the, the majority of my career or all of my career actually working with communities. I've, I've been an educator. I've done social work. I have been an executive of, of nonprofit organizations working with the most marginalized, uh, forgotten populations and, and really developing solutions to help increase access and opportunity. And I've been actually pretty successful in that capacity, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I've, I've, done, I've had the opportunity to work with some incredible folks who have been really, really dedicated to creating change in communities. But the reality of it is that all of those uh, things that I've been able to do or we've been able to do and been successful at have actually been somewhat despite the systems and structures. We've had to work around things and, and find alternatives in order to create access and opportunity. And I think, all, I think that my professional experience combined with my personal experience and my lived experience as a single mom of, of two children with learning differences in the New York City public school system and navigating those challenges, all of those things have come together to make me feel like there, there has to be a better way. And I think that my successes in navigating these things could and should be brought to bear at a larger scale to create difference, to create opportunity and difference, a difference for, for New York City at large um, at a different scale. And I, I think that I can do that. I think my experience, both again, both personally and professionally, uh, give me give me some experiences that can be scaled in a different way. And so that that's part of why I feel like I, I'm, I'm ready to do this. I also, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of kind of, of waiting for uh, elected officials to, to do the right thing around the, the most marginalized communities. And I'm kind of tired of waiting for people to, to step in and act. And I'm also tired of having low expectations. So, you know, as, as we struggle with the, the, ongoing erosion of our democracy on a national scale and, and look around and think about what we can do more to sort of help stem the tide. I think this is my this is my big act. This is the thing that I'm doing to step in and, and try to make a difference. And while I mentioned your role at Phipps Neighborhoods, you know, I don't want to limit just, you know, for our listeners, uh, that that's your only experience. You've, you've also been connected with, uh, different administrations and served in several capacities. Can you let our listeners know a little about what else you've done? Sure, sure. Um, so I, you know, during, actually during the, the Clinton administration, I was, um, a founder with a group of other folks, um, in Boston of a national early childhood organization that is in its 25th, that is celebrating its 25th year anniversary. As we speak, uh, that that organization, Jumpstart, uh, was an early childhood organization that, or is an organ, early childhood organization that pairs and trains college students 
to work with uh, UPK and, and Head Start students to help build literacy skills at, at the same time that the training of the college students helps to build the, the pipeline for folks who might be interested in exploring teaching careers. And so that was one of the things I did early on. I, I worked as part of the Bloomberg administration, actually, under the Department of Education. I, I came in as part of the transition team initially when Joe Klein first came in as, as chancellor. And uh, in that capacity, I was responsible for what was then called the specialized populations and creating the, the plan for those uh, for those populations. I that, that role got narrowed to focus primarily on special education and ELL students, English language learners. And I was the uh, I was the one sort of behind the successful uh, effort to to block the English only initiatives in in the school system at that point in time. And then I went on actually to help create the Office of Youth Development as a, as the number two person there. Um, most recently, with the De Blasio administration, in my current capacity at at, at Fifth Neighborhoods, I have served under several on several different commissions, uh, most notably the. Uh, Community Schools Advisory Board and the Nonprofit Resiliency Committee. So I, you know, I have a lot, a lot, a vast array of experience both on the front lines in terms of creating and, and developing programs and services for communities in community, uh, but also on the larger scale policy level as well. So from working, you know, uh, in different capacities under Bloomberg and under De Blasio. You know, I just want to separate them out for now and start with uh, the most recent, the current mayor, de Blasio. Where, you know, what did you learn from, you know, from what you've seen and what you've experienced in that administration that you feel has been done right and that has not been done right, that has been done wrong, that you would do differently? Well, you know, that's a that's a really good question. I think that, you know, there was a lot of hope at the beginning of the de Blasio administration, and I, I think that New York was very excited about his tenure. And, and he has been effective in terms of the, if you look at the expansion of the UPK and if you look at expanding of the, the paid, of paid sick leave and, and reducing the stop and frisk policy, those, those things are really good starts. Um, I, I think that there's a lot more that needs to be done. The, the fact that it's taken as long as it's taken to provide equity for early childhood teachers, the UPK teachers that we run we run UPK classrooms at Pitts neighborhoods, and our, our teachers make tens of thousands of dollars less than uh, the DOE UPK teachers doing the same job with, with, with more resources. Um, I think that the relationships between the police and, and, and our communities has, have not actually gotten stronger, and, and there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, I also think that there's, a, there's been an execution problem, and, and this is where I think that my experience as an executive of large organizations would actually serve me well. Uh, I, I understand that it's not enough to, to, to declare a policy or declare a change and, and expect that it will be implemented from the top down. I understand what it takes to inspire and engage and involve the folks who are actually doing the service delivery or doing the implementation and, and what it takes to help them understand the role that they play and, and get their buy-in in, in that work. And so, you know, for me, I think my approach would most definitely be one that would give everyone, everyone a sense of having a seat at the table and being involved in the implementation of things that actually will lift and improve 
all of New York City. So you just touched briefly uh, in that answer on the relations, you know, the, the difficulties of uh, fostering good relations between the police and certain communities. I just go back a few weeks to when Bloomberg spoke at a church uh, and apologized for his earlier stance on stop and frisk. What was your reaction to that? <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I, I appreciate the, the acknowledgement of that. Um, I, I think that it's hard to um, undo the harm that has been done as a result of, of that policy um, and, and the, the, fa- the lives and the families and communities that have been, been hurt as a result. Um, you know, in, in terms of his, the context for that, that apology and his, his current run, it, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the, de- the democratic process and, and in all of our rights and ability to engage in the electoral process. So more, more power to him on that regard. I'm happy to see another candidate step up to challenge um, to ta- challenge Trump. Uh, but I also think it's really important, and for me, it's really important how we go about doing that and, and engaging the community and really, really making the case to, to voters and having folks, have, being able to be responsive to people in communities and being able to respond to what they're looking for and what their needs are and hear their voices, I think is critical. And that's how I'm running my campaign, and that's what what I'm hoping to be able to do and, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And, you know, since Bloomberg has now officially announced, there has been, you know, pushback. There are people who are saying he's essentially trying to buy the presidential uh uh, you know, to buy the presidency. And this was, uh, you know, I, you know, I have to full disclosure. I work with Bill Thompson. We ran against him back in 09 and Bloomberg <laughs> spent over a hundred million. We were considerably less than that. And a lot of people thought there's no way Thompson could win based on going up against right. that. We still came within five points. You know, Reggie's going to look at me and think you're still bitter over this. Uh, <laughs> uh, but when you hear about, you know, those concerns, do you think that uh, Bloomberg is the right candidate to move this country forward? Well, you know, I, I got to say, I, I don't think I don't think you can buy uh, elections. I, I, you know, and, and one of the things I find interesting is that uh, during his tenure, I believe, as mayor, at one point he was asked about running for, for president. And, and I believe that he actually said something like, I have the greatest job in the world. Why would I run for president? Um, if I'm not mistaken. You, you, you probably know better than I. So, you know, my take is I, I'm, I've got my eye on that prize. I've got my eye on, on, on what Bloomberg at one point considered the, the greatest job in the world. And, and that's what I'm focused on focused on right now. Yeah, I also think of something that I believe Tish James, our New York State Attorney General, had talked about at one point about the challenges of being a woman of color seeking office and fundraising. And, you know, we do have a, a good number of women who are running to become president of the United States. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, do you think it's easier for a woman to become mayor of New York City than president of the United States? <laughs> Listen, I don't think women have it easy in any uh, regard, and, and that's actually one of the reasons why um, women will be the center or at, or at the center of my campaign. Um, I really believe that we, if we do better by women, uh, women do better by their families and women do better by community. And so if we, we do as a city do better by women, New York City at large as a whole will do better. Whether or not it's, it's harder uh, for, for a woman to be elected mayor of new york city we'll see i you know i have every intention of 
you know, running a very grassroots campaign and speaking to the community and the needs of the community and the interests of the community. And, and I think that the, the power of the vote, it, you know, that will speak volumes in and of itself. I'm hoping also, obviously, to, to get folks to the polls that, that wouldn't normally engage in that process because they don't see themselves reflected in the process and they don't see themselves reflected in the leadership of the city. I think there's a lot of power behind um, women and women of color in New York City. And if we can inspire and tap into that voting block, I think uh, I think I'm going to be able to give the boys a run for their money. And to appeal to them, to get them out, these people who might not necessarily be even thinking about government or politics or even the, the folks who wouldn't normally show up at the polls, what are one or two of the issues that you want to focus on? What are the ones that you want to touch on that you that will appeal to them? Sure. I mean, I, I so, like I said, I think, you know, women's issues, right? I think if we're talking about women as heads of household um, and looking at uh, child care issues and the, the tax burdens of child care issues, or if we're looking at wages and, and inequity in wages, discrimination and harassment in the workplace, like what's happening right now in the city council with the staffers um, is, is an abomination. Uh, you know, women need someone in office who is going to advocate for them, who has shared their lived experience and can speak to it from a professional, from a personal perspective, and is not going to equivocate on the, the harm that is done. And so um, I think that is going to be a core, a central tenet of, tenet of my campaign, as well as issues around, around the decriminalization of poverty. I, I think that some of the things that are happening, uh, whether, it, whether it's the Truro lady in the train station being harassed and arrested, or whether it's, uh, you know, advocating around bail reform or the separation of, of mental health issues from the from the, the police department and from policing. Um, I think these are all issues that impact some communities uh, much more disproportionately than others and that would speak to that segment of the voting block that I'm, I'm hoping to motivate and get to the polls. So we've got just about a minute or two left. And, you know, I'm going to throw out a hypothetical there. If President Trump is elected to a second term and Diane Morales is elected as New York City's mayor, what's the message you would want to send to the president? Not in my city. <laughs> I, I, um, I mean, you know, it is unfortunate that we are in this position Um but I would, as mayor of New York City, hold fast to my beliefs and my values and protecting um, the citizens of New York City against the Trumpian policies that are eroding our democracy. And, and so I would very happily uh, stand up to him and, and take him on, if need be, in order to protect our city. And Diane Morales, how can people learn more about you and your campaign? Sure. Um, people can uh, check out our website at Diane Morales, D-I-A-N-N-E-M-O-R-A-L-E-S, the number 4NYC.com. My Twitter handle is Diane, the number 4NYC. Instagram, Diane Morales, 4NYC, the number. And I'm also on Facebook, Diane Morales, 4NYC. Diane Morales, thank you so much for joining me, Jeff Simmons, here on WBAI today. Thanks, Jeff, for having me, and happy holiday. Thank you. You too.